Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat. It's your weekly source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. My name is Andy. Uh, sitting next to me is Jenny. Hi. And 116 miles to our southwest, it's Megan. You sound, like, really resigned. You sound to, really sad to this. I'm not sad at all. I'm actually just, I am exhausted. Um <laughs> I'm, uh, but I'm not sad. I'm, I'm in a fine mood. I just, I will be happy to, to do this and go to sleep. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, but before we can do anything, we have to do what we do to start the show every week. And Jenny, what is that? It's the elite beat pop of the week. So um, my pop this week, I just picked up my Kroger order, and I'm trying a couple different sparkling water or no. Sparkling hard, hard ciders, seltzers, uh, varieties this week. I, I can never, I never say it right. Hard seltzer. Hard seltzer. Yep. Um, so I am trying tonight, truly classic lime margarita style Ooh. hard seltzer. So I've tried truly just regular hard seltzer in the past, and it wasn't. I didn't like it as well as I like White Claw, True. but I like margaritas a lot. Hell yeah. And it has it has four different flavors of margarita. So I'm gonna try the. I'm starting with the classic, and then um, if I have more than one, I will. Um, I'll let the listeners know my journey through the margarita style hard seltzers. Are you gonna okay. open it? You gotta open oh. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. That was such a struggle. I hope it's worth it. <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, I don't have any like nails. I couldn't get my. <laughs> I couldn't get underneath the thingy. I'm drinking a Ryan Geist cheetah, but uh, I kind of absentmindedly opened it already because I don't know. I guess I'm just blame that on being tired too. So. Oh gosh. There you go, Megan. I'm drinking boxed wine. It's uh, it's the Boda Box. It's not Cabernet this week. It's the Red Revolution Red Vent Blend, which I've had before around the time of Revolution, the pay-per-view. So uh, mm. I'm just doing that. There's no okay. sound. There's no sound. Cool. Guys, this tastes really weird. So <laughs> it's like they tried to make it taste like tequila by using some sort of sugar. Okay. Okay. Like an artificial tequila sugar flavoring. Oh, okay. I've never heard of artificial tequila sugar, but I'm sure, <laughs> sure that's a thing. Hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna do a few more sips, but I might. You gotta be, give uh, it at least three. Yeah. Yeah, I might be bailing on this one early. Well, Jenny, that's um, it's a noble cause, and I'm interested in hearing as we go week to week, like what your different seltzer options are. I gotta say, because this is a fun <laughs> experiment. I've been, I, you know, so I, my favorite is just like White Claw Lime, but sure. my Kroger keeps telling me that they're out of stock on it. So the, I have to keep just trying other ones essentially. So I mean, it is the season for White Claw. So you, you've got some competition now with, um, you know, frat boys and whatnot. Do frat boys drink White Claw? I think so. I don't, White Claw didn't exist when I was in college, so frat boys only drink, drank like Natty Light in my experience. I mean, Tony Khan drinks it. It's, it's, I feel like it's a nice, like, 
alcoholic drink that you can drink a lot of, you know, like multiple without feeling weighed down or gross. So that's kind of how I just classify frat boy choices. That's a good point. All right. Uh, Last week's Rampage uh, viewership was up. Demo rating was down against the NBA playoffs. And last night's Dynamite, uh, 921,000 viewers, 8.33, their lowest demo rating since February 16. Again, the deeper we get into these NBA playoffs, the worse these ratings are going to be. So nothing to worry about. Uh, They still came in fourth place on the night after only after uh, two NBA games and uh, inside the NBA which followed the second game. Uh, good news is they're a uh, year over year, April to April, they are up uh, 2% in uh, the demo. Yay. Yeah. And that is uh, actually more impressive than it sounds because last year, the NBA playoffs did not start until May. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So it's like almost like they're extra ahead of where they were last year. Yes, absolutely. Like if you account for inflation. Yeah. Not much in the way of news, but uh, yesterday morning, there was a tweet from uh, the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Hangman Adam Page. Uh, Dynamite is tonight at 8 p.m. on TBS, but I will not be on there because my face is full of COVID snot. Sorry. Please enjoy regardless. And Dave Meltzer reported, as you can probably imagine, that this week's Dynamite and Rampage episodes, which is not aired yet, uh, had to be uh, rewritten uh, due to Hangman being absent. Because I imagine there would probably have been a big angle with him and Punk to set up their match instead of just announcing it. But yeah. it was not to be. And, you know, if you're going to get it, I guess it's good to get it a month out from the pay-per-view instead of, like, two days before. Well, the pay-per-view is, what, mid-May? So he's... No. Last, no. last Sunday of May. Last, okay. I was going to yeah. say, I thought he was going to be bumping up right against it, but that's good to know. I hope he recovers quickly. Me too. Okay. Megan, let's do us uh, some dynamite. Do the dynamite. Okay. Um, this week, we're in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Leacura Center, I think. Yep. It sounds fancy as hell. Um, they've been here before, though. And we start out the show with so many fists, but absolutely no flips. Um, the two FTR boys have an Owen Hart championship qualifying match against each other. And it rules. I, I think we all know they are great wrestlers, but, um, and this probably surprises no one on this podcast. Uh, my favorite part of this match was the storytelling between two guys who clearly shoot love each other. And it just warms my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, Dax is the one who wins in the end, and he will be continuing on to the tournament. But his buddy Cash is just, just so supportive, so supportive. I saw a, uh, I saw a tweet today that contained a side by side comparison of some spots, um, as they pretty much recreated a lot of a very famous Bret Hart Owen Hart match from WrestleMania Ten. Of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. Yep. So 
Yeah, but this was I, I thought this was a what a what a sensational opener. And uh I I think it's really cool that this much time and attention has been given just to the qualifying matches of the tournament because it makes it feel like being in the tournament is something really important. Yeah. I mean, if the this tag team was not so strong together, this could have been the thing that broke them up, but luckily it didn't. Um they uh they really were supportive, which I love. Um, Punk was on commentary because he cares about this because uh, he says he hates these men, but he respects them. So he talks about how uh, this is all business between these two men. They're friends, so there won't be any cheating or like, you know, other shenanigans that you might expect. They will have a straight up match. And I think he says like, it'll come down to one taking advantage of uh, the other, just like just a weak point in the other. Um, so I think he's right. Largely he assesses that, uh, you know, they, because they're friends, they're fighting and to back him up. Um, there were multiple points where they were grinning at each other as they were fighting. Clearly they were having fun together and they shook hands at the beginning and, during the picture-in-picture picture segment, which me as a Brit, I get, like, the full screen, um, I did hear them just verbally checking in with each other in a way that oh. I don't think I was supposed to, but it was really cute. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, there was a point where Dax accidentally put a finger in Cash's eye while he was, like, pushing him away, and that sort of ramped up the intensity, but, you know, they, like, got through it, and then they ended on a happy point. They still love each other, so... Loved it so much. Um, also, I just thought CM Punk is clearly a listener because on commentary, he said out loud, if you get them confused, you can call them bald and hair. We all do. There and I go. loved it. So, there you go. Yeah. What a, these, these boys. Oh, no. I, I, think, I think FDR, they're moving up my fave five. Creeping up my fave five, as Booker T might say. So yeah, um, since Hume Hung was there on commentary after the match, he grabs a mic, gets up from the commentary table, and uh, starts to walk around the ring. And he says, basically it's official, uh, we get the match graphic, Punk will be facing Adam Page at uh, the next one, Double or Nothing, for the AEW World Championship. Um, he says basically that like all his matches in AEW up to this point have been him warming up. His match against Adam is going to be the big moment. And he, while he can't guarantee a win to the fans, he says he will always bet on himself and that he will continue to fight until the wheels fall off. So it sounds like he's going to put up a hell of a fight against Adam, um, who sadly is not here to speak to this because he has the vid. Mm. Poor Adam. Yeah. As Andy said, he's got plenty of time to to recover and heal, and I'm sure they won't make him go too hard when he gets back because they don't want to ruin their pay-per-view match. So it'll be okay. But yeah, after that, um, backstage, we've got Dan Lambert and Scorpio Sky gearing up for tonight's main event, uh, which is against Sammy for the TNT Championship. The two of them run down a list of Scorpio's accolades and really drive home the notion that this TNT Championship rematch with Sammy has been earned by Scorpio. It's not just like a nice thing Tony Khan's doing. 
And Scorpio plans to walk away with the belt tonight. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Prophetic. Indeed. (laughs) Um, After that, we go back to the ring and we get what will hopefully become a weekly event, at least in my mind. And that is a Blackpool Combat Club trios match where William Regal has joined the commentary team, as he does. Um, This week, the BCC is facing the factory. So uh, it's QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Mr. Freak Beast himself, Nick Komaroto. Um, I don't have like a lot of specifics things to say about this one it's it's a fun pretty straightforward match um the bcc is obviously very cool and the factory is obviously not at all so it made total sense that the bcc beat them um and the hometown hero wheeler yuda got to get the pin uh, unfortunately i do think it was kind of a disservice that nick kamaroto mr freak beast had to be the one to eat the pin because of all the factory members, um, he seemed to be the most compelling to the crowd. <laughs> and so, so to make him be pinned, it was like, okay. He's definitely my favorite of those two. Like, if you take if you take a go-go out of the equation, he's my favorite factory member. Yes, and a go-go, a go-go was there this week. He only stayed on the sidelines, but I thought it was kind of cool to, like, see that he still exists and is apparently signed to the company. Yeah, he uh, he uh, went went to to uh, Philadelphia and uh, and was there. And uh, let's see, I I liked it when Regal said on commentary that um, part of the thing that's going to make Wheeler you to improve is to um, get thrown around by huge horrible men. Yep. And <laughs> but also, this is this is so this is now like a streak that Wheeler Yuta is on of pinning the largest member of the opposing team in uh, those trios matches. Oh. Because he pinned William Gunn uh, last time out. That's true. Okay. Interesting. Little little Yuta's earning his keep there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did really enjoy that William Regal pretty much just delighted in talking about the violent tactics from both teams. Like, he didn't see... He didn't limit it to just his guys. He was like... See how that Camarado man does this, and like I think he even talked about Aaron Solo. I'm like William Regal. Violence just makes you so happy. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Equal opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, um, I look forward to more Blackpool comedy or not comedy <laughs> <laughs> combat club. I guess you have a comedy club. You don't know. Daniel Bryan's kind of funny. Brian Danielson. Sorry, I will never stop making that mistake. Regal's Regal's funny, and he's a, he's a great fan of uh, British comedy. Oh yeah, okay. I mean, I would take that too. I'll listen to William Regal make jokes on a mic. He's got a great voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <sighs> hope to see more of that. Um, afterwards, though, we we go to Tony Schiavone, who is backstage, and he's talking to. Three of the women who have made it to the Owen Hart Championship Tournament, the three we've been seeing the most of lately, uh, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Tony Storm. Um, and as usual, Shivani thanks everyone present and calls out the lack of physicality amongst them. I don't really know why this is such a like a sticking point, but they keep talking about it. Um, so, I think they're just trying to explain why they're not at each other's throats. I guess that's fair. It's just like... 
it seems like such a weird thing to always talk about yeah that's odd just because like you don't like someone doesn't mean that you're like beating them up every time you see them yeah i I don't think we need i don't I don't think as viewers we need someone to tell us why they're not, like, getting into physical altercations every time they see each other. Well, I, we say that now, but during this segment, I will say Ruby Soho um, maybe ruins it, or maybe is the reason for this this qualifier, because Tony Storm brings her in. She's like, this is my friend. She's also in the tournament, and it's Ruby Soho. And Ruby just is like, Brit, I'm over your bullshit. And your whole deal with claiming the women's division as your own. And then she declares it's time for things to change and literally says, like, let's go right here, right now. (laughs) And uh, I guess she missed the no physicality memo because she proposed that. But Britt is like, no, we're not going to do this here. And so she grabs Jamie Hayter, who looks like she might be game for it, and then kind of pulls her out. They leave pulls her away and so i I guess ruby really did want to break that physicality rule feels feels like a tag match but they didn't really they didn't announce anything no i mean are they not going to let tony storm and Britt baker touch before they have their well no she only gets a first round for sure against jamie Hayter. yeah Hmm. i don't know i'll be up for Tony and Ruby tag teaming together. Yeah, I like it. I'm I'm ready to see more of Tony Storm because I I assume she's part of AEW, so let her fight. But maybe that's post tournament. I guess we'll see. So yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure we go to a commercial after that because Tony Schiavone is back in the next segment. He's interviewing once again. This time he's talking to. Jurassic Express and Christian Cage and um this is a little it's a little telling so Jungle Boy is talking about his loss to Kyle O'Reilly last week and he says he doesn't want to sound like a sore loser but he knows for a fact he could have beaten Kyle O'Reilly he just didn't take advantage when the time was right to pin him and Christian looks pointedly at him and says Jack you just sound like a loser and I thought this was going to go really badly. There's a brief pause, and then Christian follows that up with, but you're not a loser, and tells Jungle Boy it was a learning moment and that he just needs to like work harder. And so Christian starts to put out an open challenge for the AEW World Tag Team Championship titles, but before he can even finish his sentence, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs interrupt. Starks starts talking a lot of shit, but basically it boils down to... The two of them accepting Christian's challenge to go after the AEW Tag Team Championships. So I guess, uh, I don't think they announced when that's going to happen, but I guess we're going to see that soonish. Seems like not, seems like that's not the pay-per-view match. No, there's no build-up. I would, I would think they'd try to find a more compelling story to tell if somebody's going to challenge for them. Yeah. But it's on the horizon. Seems like they could knock that out before the pay-per-view easily. Yeah. So, yeah. So, after those interviews, we have our next match. It's one large man, Lance Archer, against another large man, Wardlow. MJF and Sean Spears are camped out in the box seats area for this match, eating boxes of popcorn and sipping sparkling wine. 
because uh, I assume it's not real champagne. And then Wardlow gets let in by security once again, hands cuffed without any music, looking like an absolute badass that cannot be contained. I don't think that's what MJF wants, but that's what <laughs> that's what it's coming off as. Um, and yeah, so this is this is a big man match. This is an Andy match. Um, they both hit each other really hard for a while, and then, um, you know, ultimately Wardlow gets Archer up for not just one but four successive power bombs, which is wild because Archer's a very large man. Um, but yeah, Wardlow gets the pin. MJF is both surprised and enraged by this whole thing. And Wardlow just re- gets recupped and, and led back to the back after the match very politely by security. Archer hit him with his finishing move. Um, blackout? Called? The blackout, thank you. Yeah. And uh, he covered him. He gave him like this lack- lackadaisical cover. And uh, Wardlow kind of turned it into a cradle. And Archer kicked out, and then they pointed out that when Archer challenged John Moxley for the world title, he he got caught in that same way, and that's how he got pinned by Moxley. So he he didn't learn enough not to do the lackadaisical cover, but he learned enough to <laughs> kick out of the kick out of the cradle attempt. Yes, he scouted it kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I liked this. This was much more effective, I thought, than last week against the Butcher. And I think it's just because, well, A, Lance Archer's better than the Butcher, but B, he's got a lot more credibility than the Butcher. A lot more. Yeah. Yeah, I love what they're doing with Wardlow. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. It's, it's like my favorite thing. I think they're handling it well. I think he looks like a star. I am rooting for him, and I like him in a suit. Hell yeah. Wardog wears a suit. <laughs> yeah, I I really am enjoying it too. Um I I hope they continue to handle him well and uh you know, I don't know how long they're going to have him fight large men like this. Well, actually, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit, but yeah. I I like where he's going. From there, you know, we go to another conflict with um you know a group this time it's the jericho appreciation society they're out in the ring they have set up a table chairs on both sides and they are here because they requested to sit down with eddie kingston santana and ortiz um tony khan has decreed that there will be no physicality here either and it sounds like uh based on what they say people's jobs are on the line if that rule isn't respected so everyone's pretty much expected to be chill. Um, the JAS make their way out to the ring first. They're looking confident. They're looking like they're about to bust into, like, I want it that way or something. Um, but they are they call out Eddie Santana and Ortiz to come to the ring, and they do, and they bring kind of a different energy than the JAS. Um, Ortiz still has Angelo Parker's shoes. He's draped them over his shoulder. And when they get to the ring, all three of them just start chucking chairs around but not at anyone that's the key no physicality eddie kingston um as our friend amanda pointed out uh which was her favorite part of the show he yelled i hate this chair as he uh as he threw the chair <laughs> yeah. he, he was in his vibe at, during this segment was out of control like he just 
I, I, I love it. It's great. Um, he hates that chair. He hates a lot of stuff <laughs> about this. Um, Jericho has called this all together because he wants an apology for having the JS kicked out of the arena during Kingston's match last week against Daniel Garcia on Rampage. Um, Santana and Ortiz are like, well, we don't, we don't have an apology. Check their pockets and wallets and all they have are uh, middle fingers for Jericho. Which I thought was just like a fun little gag. <laughs> Jericho didn't like it. Um, Santana reminds him that he made a mistake by turning his back on the two of them. And then Daniel Garcia rips the mic out of his hand and has the audacity to taunt Santana with, I, I thought, an overconfidence in, in the fact that physicality was not allowed and that everybody would stay in check. They did. But, like, really, he was poking the bear on this one. So maybe he's not the wisest little member of that group. Um, Eddie, he gets exasperated by all the pomp and circumstance around this whole proceeding. And he says he just wants to fight. He doesn't care that the numbers are uneven. Three on five, fine with him. Um, Jericho says that they're not going to fight three on five. They're going to go after each person individually, one-on-one. And he uses the phrase, I'm putting out a hit on you, each like all of you. And this prompts Eddie to very intensely clarify what putting a hit on someone means in his world. Uh, He gets way up in Jericho's face. And Jericho looks completely shook and like maybe he should yeah gun to the head gun to the head is what he does and jericho uh is like maybe i should reconsider my plan of action but i don't think he's going to it's like he has a moment where he's scared but based on things that happen later i don't think he changes his mind jenny thought jericho was excellent in this segment did you like that face at the end when he was like in the chair yes it was good emoting I thought that Eddie Kingston was going to cause multiple people on the Jericho Appreciation Society side to break like it was an episode <laughs> of SNL <laughs> during his like his promo. It just it just looked like some of them were like looking down and trying not to like lose it. Turn him no. into a bunch of bunch of little Jimmy Fallons. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. I love that that he has that power. Like he that's that's really good, but these two groups hate each other. I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. And we'll see later how that works out. They're going to be they're going to be in New York on Long Island. Oh gosh. Again on May 11th. So, if they're going to bring homicide in, I think that's the time to do it. You think that there's a pretty good chance that that's the direction they're going? Yeah, because, I mean, they have to bring somebody in to even the odds. So I think it's going to be Homicide and Hernandez because that makes sense from, you know, a lot of different standpoints. But um, but they, I, I would think they would need to do it in time to set up a match for the pay-per-view. So. Yeah. That'd be the perfect place to do it. So Homicide's from New York. That's where they are on the 11th. Hernandez is from Texas. That's where they are on the 18th. So I guess they could do it either one of the. <laughs> oh, okay. One of the weeks, yeah. Okay. Should be interesting. I mean, I do really want to see the JAS get their comeuppance, but, um, you know, I don't want anybody for real murdered. Yeah. <laughs> don't put a hit out on anyone. That's not what I watched wrestling for. It's true. It's true. 
Do you watch wrestling for um, a very Hollywood couple that just thinks they're the best and and don't really get that people hate them? We're talking about like we're talking about like season one Total Divas. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean I I think John always had had more self awareness than that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. John was always very aware. Yeah. Yes. Well, in a not, I, I, Jenny, I feel like would freak out if I even tried to compare this couple to John and Nikki. Tay and Sammy are here. They're, um, yeah, she's shaking they her head. Are she hates the, it. Uh, <laughs> Vinny and Ariana of Total Divas. Oh, damn. Despicable me. Mm hmm. Like, okay. pretty obnoxious. Like, Call each other babe a lot. Yeah. But, like, seem to be happy with each other. Yeah. 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 Until Sammy embarrasses her on a rooftop party. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if that happens. But for now. (laughs) Happen one day. Yeah. For now, they're just here um, to tell us how great Sammy is. Uh, he's, He's got his douche uniform on. His big coat. His fur coat. Uh, he's got a shit-eating grin on his face. He calls Scorpio boring and unmemorable and basically is, like, very unconcerned about any threat of his title getting taken away tonight. He's he's like, yeah, it's going to be fine. I'm going to do this. So um, that's his mindset going in to the main event later. And Tay's there just being like, yeah, this is my man. And they made out a lot. Ugh, I cannot handle the tonguing. Stop tonguing your girlfriend on the TV. I'm on the record as being pro-kissing, so I'm for it. What they're doing is not kissing. It is literally trying to eat each other's face. (laughs) It's borderline cannibal. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to them. We'll get to them. For now, though, it's time for Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida to settle their feud. In a Philly street fight, which means no countouts, no DQs. There are also no rope breaks, which ultimately leads to Sheeta's downfall. Serena gets her in the serenity lock. Sheeta tries to use a rope break, looks um, shocked when she realizes she can't, and then Serena drags her to the center of the ring and taps her out with a Texas clove relief. Well, she like smashed her chair into her knee into a chair a few times first. It was true. Yes, yes. Um, and I realize I just skipped over all the violence, but like, I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, <laughs> these two fought real hard and I am not surprised Serena won because you laid out a pretty good case for her winning um, and becoming the number one contender. And after the match, we see that Thunder Rosa has been watching backstage on a monitor. So that all, you sort of laid it out perfectly. Um, but yeah, Sheeta. She did put up a fight. She just couldn't win. Yeah, I uh, I predicted this last week because I said Thunder Rosa needs an opponent, and and Serena Deeb is the heel. So <laughs> it is. I mean, I don't know. I, I heard somebody say something earlier today when I was listening to a podcast about like maybe they could see like this is the kind of match where you uh, you kind of like book somebody out of the territory. Uh, but I, I can't imagine that. What does that mean? 
Like this would be like her her send off. Who's send off? Sheeta. But no. No, I don't think so. But like the way it was, I the... was worried because like I thought she should have. Like I love Serena Deeb, but like I think Sheeta has the more like star power potential. Mm-hmm. And I I worried when she lost here about what was going to happen with her. But well, does does her contract uh, timing wise is is that are we in a place where there it could possibly be a send off or is that just unlikely to happen with where she's at in her timeline? I mean, she was in the pr- first pay per view, so it probably is close to a send off. But she had a totally different look this match. Like, oh, Jenny, can I just say, Jr. made the wildest comment I've ever heard out of his mouth. It was not sexist. It w- it was like just the most like he he said. <laughs> Look how American, or she said, I'm, I'm like impressed by how Americanized, quote unquote, Sheeta has become. And I was like, he's like in her dress and like her look. And I'm like, JR, she is wearing the weirdest outfit I've ever seen her wear. (laughs) She's covered in cherry blossoms painted on both her clothes and skin. How is, like, (laughs) what is this comment based in? Americanized because she's wearing those Days Duke shorts. Um. (laughs) But then what Tony or Excalibur was like, yeah, she lives in America now. She's been living in America for several years now. (laughs) But like, I couldn't believe that comment. Andy was like, oh, you're making something out of nothing. And I was like, "Mm." I just, of all the time, I didn't say it. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to say it wasn't weird. I just meant that I don't, I didn't think it was problematic. Oh, no. I, this is one of the times where I'm like, JR. What do you think Americanized means? <laughs> like, I don't know how many people are walking around in that sort of outfit. <laughs> like, I was like, what? Yeah. So that was sorry, that was wild. But um, I hope this is not a Sheeta send off. Like, I. Yeah, it's probably. I'm sure it's not. Okay. Okay. Good. You know, you wanna if you want if you want to if you want to a believable challenger, have them have them beat somebody believably, you know, and they, they had her go over really strong here. So I just worry about what it's going to do to Sheeta, like her. They can rehab Sheeta. She has, I mean, I didn't love the outfit, but she has a great look. <laughs> yeah. You know, Megan, I didn't mind the outfit. I, I was like, Oh, I like all the cherry blossoms everywhere. I was like, I see that you're trying to street fightify your style, and I don't know that it worked. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Um, so that happened. <laughs> After that, we uh, we go to Lexi Nair, our best correspondent. And she is talking to MJF and Sean Spears. And MJF calls her Lindsay because he doesn't care. And after she cracks him, he screams at her to get out of his frame, sending her away. So that's all Lexi gets to do. Um, and then MJF says, I have a plan to deal with Wardlow. And he gets on his phone and he calls somebody calls that... Lexi's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, who I was like, shouldn't you be nicer? She's your in for sure. Um, he calls someone he refers to as, hey, big man. 
uh, I've got six figures for you if you can take care of this Wardlow problem. And he, it seems like the call goes well. And then he hangs up and he says, he looks at the camera speaking to Wardlow and he says, I've got somebody who's bigger than you, smarter than you, and stronger than you. And then he go, he does the hand motion. He goes, and you can't teach that. And I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I got to admit, I, I kind of marked out when this happened. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, I had a brief moment where I was like conflating Cass and Enzo in my head, and I'm like, oh no, didn't he have like a lot of problems? But then I listened to Renee's podcast, and I was like, oh, well, he had problems, but they were not like there were alcoholism, you know, like that's a problem that you, it's it's a disease, oh. and then you oh Cass, yeah, and then he yeah. took care of it. Um, I thought he yeah. was having like sex pest problems. No, that was Enzo. Yeah, I I got them like. Yeah. Mixed up. But um sounds like based on the podcast that Cass is like raring to like go. He he's getting he's ready to be back and he's been in a good place in his life recently. Yeah. He's uh he he had like was he on Renee today? Mm, I think he must have been. It was like the last episode that I uh, had downloaded. Well, he um He's been an impact for the past few months and he's gotten like I haven't seen any of that, but he's gotten he's gotten good reviews, so Yeah, he sounds he sounds like he um he sounds like a person who like very openly talked about his problem was like very I don't know, not I don't want to say like willing to admit it was his fault, but like he very much took account was accountable basically. He was like, Yeah, I fucked up, like things are bad for me i didn't make the best decisions and i look back at that time and i don't love the me from that time but like sounds like he's done a lot of work and he met his girlfriend because diamond dallas page called him to like help him out like he you know like he did with the other older generation and um i don't know it just sounds like he's he's kind of in a really good place now so good for him like you know, for as annoying as DDP kind of is, because because he's such a self promoter, and all he does is talk about like you know like positive energy, and it just sounds like he's like selling something all the time. It there is something to be said for how much he has done for multiple generations of wrestlers to help them like you know beat these kinds of problems. Yeah, and the fact that. I think it's funny that he sounds like somebody who's just always selling something, but I'm pretty sure he's helping these people just out of like, he's not charging them or anything. He just takes them in and helps them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He like, I mean, he charges for, you know, normal people to, uh, to, to, for his courses, you know, his DDP Y stuff. But yeah, any, I think any, like his rule of thumb is like anybody in the businesses can, can ask for help and for free. Oh, that's, that's actually like really amazing. Yeah. So nice of him. But yeah, I guess that's how Cass ended up. He went there and that's how he met Lexi's because he Diamond Dallas Page was like, looks like you're having problems, buddy. You want to come hang out and let me help you out? Did he move into the accountability crib? <laughs> he did. He did. Wow. <laughs> he told a story that um, he said he actually like he moved in. And he said he met Lexi because she was, like, in the kitchen, no makeup, like, you know, in a robe and pajamas, essentially, just looking her, you know, like, we all look during the pandemic. 
and she she had heard somebody was moving in, but he's like, she's used to like, you know, like older people. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's like, I think she was surprised to see me. <laughs> so yeah. It it seems like Cass has a type. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, it's okay. We all do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so, like, um, since he's working for Impact, do you have any, have you heard any rumors on the Twitter or whatever? Is he coming to AEW, or is this just, like, a guest spot? I don't know. I, I heard I heard one thing that, like, his, his Impact deal might be up. But mm-hmm. also, you know, given that Deanna Perazzo is booked for uh, Dynamite next week, maybe they're just maybe they're just in a good place with Impact right now. Oh, I'm, hey, that works. <laughs> yeah, because Deanna Prazo is definitely still working for Impact. Um, I was going to ask you about that. I, okay. I think she is, at least. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so. So I don't I don't know what his contractual status is, but I think it could it could be either one. Because I think, you know, because I, I, I do think they have a good relationship with, with Impact right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm up for, I guess, I, I like when companies are willing to like share people like this um but also i just yeah genuinely have no idea what's going on over in impact land and whether or not either person Cass or diana perazzo potentially would be all elite or whatever (laughs) like we would get the graphic um but if not it's fun just to have kind of some new faces pop in and have a match and then you know see something different yeah yeah speaking of something different i've got a pop of the week update oh hell yeah did uh, you finish plus, the other can or no I got like halfway through it okay. was it was too like sweet i think i'm gonna go with sweet um <laughs> now i'm gonna try and they're also their margarita style truly is a mango chili margarita style hard oh. seltzer these are really hard to open, guys. You want to do it? The more I can get it. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get I'm a little gonna... heat in there. That'll I'm... take the speed away. I'm heading for cheetah number two, and this time I will actually crack it on Mike. Mm. Yeah. This one is better. How spicy is it? Not at all. Ah, okay. Did you want I to let... it spicy? I did. <laughs> it's also I like a little spicy, a little spicy margarita. Yeah. Yeah. So I found when I when I tried the regular truly hard seltzer, what I found was that it was sweeter than um, White Claw, which is not what I'm looking for in a drink. Um, and but I thought margaritas, I love margaritas. This will be like my summertime margarita on the patio. I don't think it's gonna be because this is also still pretty sweet, but it's less sweet than the last one. Okay. Uh, here's what you got to do, though, Jenny. You just got to get a lime spindrift and a bottle of vodka, and then you just mix. <laughs> and then, then you have the juice flavor you like and alcohol. Yeah. I, I've thought about getting myself some, like, so I'm not a mixed drink, like, maker person. Uh, uh, honestly, I don't think I've ever made a mixed drink other than in college pouring um, Crystal Light in with vodka and calling it a drink, um, which was actually quite good in college. I would barely um, call that a mixed drink, Jenny. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 
but I've never like made a margarita myself other than like the like frozen the like prepackaged I guess we had that margarita day where we like blended them yeah and then we all Um, got sugar sick but yeah it was it was pretty sickening um but I have thought about like maybe I'll get myself some tequila and like limes and like put it with like a white claw but I bet I bet a spindrift lime would be better I bet I mean I feel like it's kind of like a vodka soda only it's vodka spindrift well it should be tequila right to make it a I thought the seltzers were vodkas but yeah tequila for margaritas the seltzers are actually um alkali like um sugar cane that's yeah yeah Yeah. so it's not actually it's not actually a vodka tequila it's just like a sugar that was made into alcohol my friend dan uh, who is a uh He's a, you know, a mixologist at a cocktail, at a fancy cocktail bar. Oh. Um, he's, like, big into, like, tiki drink type stuff, you know. Uh, he posted an article on Facebook today. Uh, it's called, The Canned Cocktail Boom is a Worst Case Scenario for Tiki Drink. So I think I know how he feels about these guys. Ah. Oh. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> does kind of it kind of like cuts out the middleman and also it's like really easy um i i will say the the high noons those are not the cane sugar they are straight vodka and seltzer that's why i was getting were hard teas are they seltzers uh yeah they're seltzer that's why i bought them for a while because i was like oh i like the purity of just like vodka and seltzer um well maybe i'll i'll add that to my kroger cart Try a lemon, or no, not a lemon, a lime of them. It's okay. kind of like a margarita, but it's not marketed as a margarita. So, like, I don't want to put it too far in your head, but it's good. Um, <laughs> While we're talking about summer, which is just the most appropriate time to get back into the show and talk about the next segment, uh, which involves the House of Black, the most summery boys I've ever seen, I will say. Uh, <laughs> the lights go out in the arena and there's a single spotlight and it is shining on Fuego del Sol who is lying on the ramp apparently unconscious I, I don't know if he's full unconscious but he's not moving and the three members of the House of Black walk into the light and pull Fuego up to his knees so that Malachi can take his mask off, off. Um, but before he's able to unmask him he gets interrupted by Alex Aberhuntis's voice, who's like, hey, do you understand what it means to pull off a luchador's mask? Like, you just don't do it, bro. Aberhuntis appears to be standing in the ring. He's got his robe, he's holding a shovel, but his face is obscured by the shovel. And he's Mm -hmm. moving kind of weird. Did you know right away? I didn't know who it was, but I was like, well, that's not Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's not Alex Aberhuntis. Um... (laughs) He, he he tells the House of Black he's been dressing this way for a very specific reason. And I was like, okay, where are we going with this? And then Penta's music hits. And Penta walks out on stage. And for a minute, I was like, this is going to be Abrahantis. And then Penta's going to be in the ring. He was not. And then Pac's music hits. And Pac joins Penta. The crowd goes wild. We've got two-thirds of Death Triangle out here, people. And then... Still talking on the mic, 
Alex Abrahantis walks out on stage. He's not in costume. He's got his classic Abrahantis like skull jacket. And he says the House of Black are not very bright. And by this point, they're in the ring and they're standing by the rope looking at the stage. And as they're watching Penta, Pack, and Alex, we see the figure in the ring take off the robe and reveal that it's Ray Phoenix. He's back. Oh. I hope he's okay. Um, he looked okay. Uh, he he took off the robe and stuff. The House of Black turns around. They're like, whoa. And then Buddy Matthews attacked him while the other members went after Pack and Penta. And um, eventually all three of them got overwhelmed by Death Triangle because Death Triangle is making their triumphant return. It's been a rough road for the Death Triangle. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. <laughs> Hopefully now that they're all back together and I want to say healthy, I want to say it in a way that doesn't jinx them. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully these boys can get it going. But it was it was kind of like exciting to see the the band back together. And also I was happy that House of Black is maybe getting something a little more meaty than just beating up Fuego Del Sol repeatedly. Yeah, I'm like I'm cool with this now. Mm-hmm. And I guess if the end result is that maybe maybe Fuego gets to like kind of like move up a spot in the depth chart of AEW, I think that's that's good too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not against that. I just thought, you know, Fuego, I don't know why you're the biggest concern for the House of Black. <laughs> seems <laughs> seems questionable. So. But yeah, that's exciting. Um, after that, we go backstage where Tony Schiavone is uh, talking to Swerve Strickland and Darby Allen. Swerve and Darby are going to have a qualifying match for the Owen Hart Championship Tournament on Friday on Rampage. Uh, Tony refers to the two of them as old friends, but Swerve clarifies that that might be too strong of a word for their relationship. They're more like friendly competitors. And Darby just tells Swerve he needs to stop showing up in companies and claiming it's his house. <laughs> They're like work friends. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> I was unclear how many times they crossed paths prior to AEW because Darby was not in WWE, and I don't know anything about Swerve. <laughs> They're both from uh, the Pacific Northwest. Okay. okay. So they've worked a lot of indies out there together. All right. That's kind of okay. I, I didn't know anything about Swerve's background prior to NXT. So I guess I guess that's on me. But I'm interested in seeing what these two very flippy dudes do in their match. Yeah. Should be fun. So moving on from there, our next match is the giant 10-man tag Adam Cole arranged so that the Undisputed Elite could get their groove back. Uh, it is Adam Cole, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks going up against the motley crew of Dante Martin, the Varsity Blondes, and Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson, who need a team name. Eh, just saying. Um, Brock Lee. Yes. Please do that. Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the, those are the ten men that are fighting here. Um, a lot of stuff goes on. Jenny, I, I, your pet peeve occurred right at the beginning, where just everybody was in chaos. Um, Everybody's in chaos now. Not not. What is, what is one crowded stable, Megan? Okada, New needs, Japan. To, Okada <laughs> needs to be more selective. 
It's true. It's true. Um, but yeah, you know, this is like a there's ten men in the the ring. Things get a little out of control briefly. Um, they do have a moment of infighting as well. The undisputed elite, they they kind of go out to the outside, and it was during a picture in picture. So I don't know if if you. Oh, I didn't even know about that. Okay, so during the picture in picture, they're standing on the outside and like very clearly are arguing with each other. Like I even got the audio of it, and so they they kind of like pull it together finally and and then get back in the ring and start doing their thing. But it was interesting because they had that moment, but then Adam is the one who gets the pin. He poor he pins poor little Shoddy Lee Johnson after. Red Dragon and the Young Bucks come together to do a four-man BT trigger, and then Adam does the boom. And so, at the end of the match, Adam tosses Nick and Matt these Undisputed Elite shirts that I assume he's had made himself without any consultation <laughs> that he and Red Dragon are already wearing. And um, the Bucks, they hesitate for a minute, and then they put the shirts on, and it seems like everything is cool. Our friend Jason texted me after the match and said, Adam Cole did one move in the entire match. And I'm not sure if that's true or not, but uh, it might be. It did seem like he was mostly just directing traffic. Yeah. I also don't recall how much of a part the Varsity Blondes played. It felt like not a lot. (laughs) They were definitely in there. Um, But, yeah. I think Lee Johnson was definitely, like, the star of the other team. Yeah. Both I, I, he got the most offense and took the most offense. Yeah. Brock Anderson got beat up for a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this kind of started last week with Kyle and everyone kind of saying, like, we need to get, you know, we're the undisputed elite. We need to, like, be better than this. And we've been on, we've lost matches lately. That's no good. And then he beat Jungle Boy. And then Cole beat Ishii on Rampage, and now, as a team, they they beat another squad. So it seems like they're kind of on the upswing. They're sure trying. Yeah. And the Bucks did put the t-shirts on after the match. Yeah. Yeah. So, I... I mean, I don't know what it says that their fight was in the picture-in-picture portion, where you either can't see all of it that well, and you definitely can't hear what they're saying... So I don't I don't know if that was meant to be impactful in any way, but they definitely turned it around by the end. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So we'll see where the undisputed elite goes. Right now, a united front. Um, but after the match itself, the announced team gets a message that something is going on backstage, and so a camera crew gets back there post haste, and we see that the Jericho Appreciation Society has jumped Eddie Santana and Ortiz in what appears to be the parking area. Um, Santana and Ortiz are down for the count, but Eddie is on his knees being held up so that Jericho can presumably punch or kick him. But that's not what happens. Instead, what actually happens is uh, Jericho throws a fireball into Eddie Kingston's face. Fuck like, yeah, he does. What the hell is this? Is this something that just happens? Because I was like, what is going on? Uh, sports entertainment bullshit is what it is. Okay, so like, what's a fire? Like, it's it's flash. It's, it's it's something. It's called it's called nitrocellulose. It's 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 commonly referred to as flash paper. It's just like a little like kind of a magician trick thing. It it's like a piece of paper 
that burns like in like a split second. Mm. Like so there's no you know there's no actual risk. Right. It just I was <laughs> that was not the move I was expecting. <laughs> like just out of nowhere. Here's some fireball. Um yeah. Eddie grabs his face and screams, My face, my face, and then the the JAS take off and AEW security and Ruby Soho run over to help Eddie. Um just like a wild turn of events to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um after that we get a really quick little uh, video clip and we find out that Trent and Samoa Joe are having a match for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship Friday night on Rampage which should be fun Their that show uh, tomorrow was pretty loaded that's what I was thinking I was wondering if Tony is trying to get ratings or what is going on but they seem to have packed a whole bunch into a Rampage yeah we've got let's see let's just see what we got here we got we got Swerve versus Darby Allen in an Owen qualifier We've got Samoa Joe versus Trent Beretta for the Ring of Honor TV title. We've got a six-woman tag with Jade Cargill and two of her baddies, Red Velvet and Kira Hogan, against Willow Nightingale, Trisha Dora, and Sky Blue. We've got Keith Lee versus Colton Gunn. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got the big uh, Danhausen and Hook uh, confrontation. Yes. Is it called uh, a confrontation or is it a match? <laughs> it's called a confrontation. Um... So I don't know how Jay's prediction uh, would alter based on that information, but um, I guess we could, like, you know, like, we just keep that prediction for when they actually do have a match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm interesting to see how that goes. But um, it did feel to me like kind of a big rampage. Kind yeah. of. I, I think this is the first Owen Hart qualifier that makes it to a rampage. No, Cole versus the She last week was. A, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Okay, still should be a fun Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Dynamite, we are to the main event. Good God, um, it is Scorpio Sky, Sammy Guevara, for that TNT Championship ladder match. And um, I could not focus a lot on this because. Pretty early on, Sammy did. I, I don't know what he was trying to do. It was like a, I don't know what um, level of flipping, but he flipped off the top of a ladder and just like landed on his back on the ground of of the ring. But like he didn't hit Scorpio very much, if at all. And I thought that he may have hurt himself, and it seemed like maybe he did a little. And then, um, they found a way to keep going. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I haven't heard that he was hurt, but uh, he, he might have knocked the wind out of himself or something. But uh, uh, but you want to talk about sports entertainment bullshit? Uh, <laughs> this 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 match is, and I mean that. I mean that in the nicest way. Uh, this match has got you covered because a it's a ladder match. B they had a they had a barbed wire ladder uh, also under the ring that they implemented. Mm-hmm. C. Uh, Ty Conti got to kick Dan Lambert in the balls. Mm-hmm. Which D- I don't think was... I, I think she went for it and maybe did. Well, you know, it made it look good. D, Paige Van Zant then ran out and uh, they got in a big fight, uh, including at one point taking each other out with high kicks. Um, they jumped on the backs to try to choke out their respective uh, 
uh, dudes, and uh, as they were climbing the ladders, it was it was pretty it was pretty wild. That was that part was nuts. And I looked at Paige Van Zant, and I thought she was like, "I'm gonna die." Like <laughs> she definitely didn't look as confident as Ty Conti. She she kind of was like, which I don't blame her one bit. But like, yeah. damn, yeah, this match yeah. was really fun. There was just a section of it where I'm like. Is Sammy okay? And like <laughs> Ty Conti looked really concerned, but then he you're I think you're right. He must have just gotten the wind knocked out of him and had to kind of like regroup a little. Um, because he did he did seem to come back after that. But there was this great spot at the end where they were both climbing up and Scorp finally pushed Sammy off the ladder and Sammy landed on the barbed wire ladder. And you thought that was it. But then Scorpio continues to climb, and then suddenly Sammy springboards out of nowhere and lands on the ladder on the other side and then climbs up. It. So when he did that, when he landed that, I was like, okay, he's fine. Like, like um, But then Scorpio uh, still ended up fighting him off and, and won the title back. Yeah, I I was happy for Scorpio, you know? I, I'm glad he gets it. I think the crowd hated sammy from the second he and ty stepped onto the stage during his entrance <laughs> they were booing him loudly and i thought that was really funny uh and tony said <laughs> tony and jr had a moment where tony said fans have had enough of him tonguing his girlfriend before a match and jr just goes they've got to control their tongues and i was like <laughs> yes you are correct in all of that <laughs> um and knowing that Sammy is okay is great. I did think it was like kind of harsh that he hit the he hit the ring when he messed up, and within seconds people started chanting "You fucked up," and I'm like, he might be hurt. Crowd. So they they cut the commercial pretty quickly um, after that. So I didn't I did not get to hear the crowd chanting "You fucked up." Oh yeah, they. They chanted it. They were pretty happy to chant it. I'm like, people, people, he he might be hurt. And they stopped. But like, I don't know, it was such a radical <laughs> sort of reaction in a in a sport where somebody could legitimately harm themselves. Yeah, it does. It does kind of beg the question, like, why they took the title off Scorpio in the first place to just switch it back so quickly. But Whatever. <laughs> do you think it had anything to do with Sammy and Ty Conti becoming like just kind of hated <laughs> like naturally? Maybe, but I just I don't know. Like, I think that's to their advantage. Honestly, I think that they're like I think they're a good heel act now. Oh, they are. But maybe they wanted the title and I don't know. I guess Scorpio's a face now. I don't know. Is Scorpio a face? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because now, uh, after the match, Frankie walked out. He was looking sharp in an all-black suit, all-black get-up. Loved it. Um, he gave Scorpio, like, a... He gave him five, did, like, a little... Your own little, like, hand slap or whatever. And he looked happy for him. And they reiterated, the announce team did, that Scorpio said he would give him his first... The first shot at the title. So... If Scorpio is a face, then it would be face versus face. Maybe Scorpio is just less of a heel than Sammy. <laughs> Maybe. That sometimes happens, right? Oh, yeah. I think there are degrees. Degrees of heels. 
So next week, we have uh, Deanna Perazzo versus Mercedes Martinez to, mm-hmm. I guess, to unify the the two versions of the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Okay, um, yes, love a unification. Wardlow versus, uh, we think, Big Cass. Mm-hmm. Or W. Morrissey, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a really kind of like the most random sounding Owen Hart qualifier yet. Bobby Fish versus Jeff Hardy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I kind of feel bad for Bobby Fish because it's like, bruh, you're going to have to carry that and the people are not going to want you to win. <laughs> and I don't even think he will win. I think no, he's, he's going to be win. forced be to Hardy. lose to Jeff Hardy. He's so. not going to be Jeff Hardy and he shouldn't be Jeff Hardy. He's Bobby Fish. He's not Kyle O'Reilly. No, but like, I mean... Like he's, he's so like, slow. He's, I think I think he's Jeff like Hardy moves so the, slow. I think he's like the same age as Jeff Hardy, actually. That's even more of a disparity because he moves so much better. <laughs> That's so horrifying. He's re- he's wrestled a slightly safer style than, than than Jeff. Well, for sure. I just I think the believability, much like in a lot of wrestling, it's like okay, yeah, I guess that guy's gonna beat that guy, but okay. He is he is older than Jeff Hardy. Oh my god, he looks he, so much better than him. He is older than Jeff Hardy by almost a year. So how old are you? Forty four and forty five. Okay, I do think that's somewhat a compliment to Bobby Fish because I pegged oh, him sure. at like late thirties. Yeah, no, he looks great. But I, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so that he's gonna have to lose to Jeff Hardy. That's. That's you keep saying it like it's like the worst insult possible. I don't have the nostalgia, so <laughs> I do think it's kind of. Did you see how slowly Jeff Hardy was moving? I mean, God knows I understand why he's had a tough life with the choices he's made in his style. But like, it's just like, it's like okay. how Jenny feels about Sting's career in WWE, like Sting's okay. late career in I WWE. Was, I was just about to ask you. Would how would you feel if this was Sting versus Bobby Fish? I would feel like I know Sting's gonna win, but like, okay, like I think for me it's it's like there's a level of believability which I'm putting past me because I'm putting out of my head because it's wrestling, but also like I'm more thinking like how's it gonna look? Like how <laughs> is the young athletic man? How much work is he gonna have to do to look like he's not more athletic? Than the guy who's like not moving fast and is clearly going to have to win. Like that's where I lose it. Where it's like, okay. I would like to make a champagne bet with you. Oh no. Okay, what is it? The champagne bet is that I think you, when we do this show next Thursday, I think you will have been pleasantly surprised by the Jeff Hardy Bobby Fish match. Well, all she has to do is just lie and say she wasn't. Well, I'm trusting her. What kind of a champagne gonna, bet is I'm this? I'm going to trust her. Are you saying you lie during our champagne bets, Jenny? I'm saying we normally do based on picks and things like that, not based on feelings. Not based on personal feelings that you could just no, I, I lie about. I understand what you're saying, yeah. I, on my honor, I will tell <laughs> you the truth. <laughs> I used to be a Girl Scout so many years ago. What were you? You were something different, right? 
I was also a Girl Scout and a brownie. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I also did Indian princesses <laughs> Hell yeah. with my father. And oh. it was really fun to go camping and, like, <laughs> all your, like, little events. And I understand that that is obviously not an okay, like, name for. But uh, is that, like, is that, like, the girl version of, um, what's the movie with uh, Jonathan yeah. Taylor Thomas and Chevy Chase? Yeah, you were an Indian guy. My my brother was an Indian guide with my dad, and I was an Indian princess. And I'm only saying that because that was literally the like name of the yeah yeah of the organization. You acknowledge the problematic nature, and yeah, yes. we all get it. We all get it in this day and age that should not fly. Um, but but it was a like it was one of those groups that but you did everything with your dad. So like you went to like meetings and did crafts and stuff with your dad and like you would earn badges and um you would go camping and stuff so it was yeah nice. well, that's, that's cute i liked it better than the girl scouts okay i was always jealous of the boy scouts because they had to do way cooler things <laughs> i hated boy scouts i had to i had to be in it i already had to be in tiger cubs um when uh, which is like you know like the step below yeah like a brownie yeah it's like the bo- the boy version of a brownie and uh, and so that was like when we lived in Fairfield County and then when we moved to the big city I was just like guys <laughs> like I, can I just like play baseball or something I don't wanna, <laughs> I don't want to be a boy scout <laughs> just as long just as long as you have an activity to fill <laughs> your time like yeah. But anyway, Scout's Honor, I will tell you how I really feel about the match. Okay. Okay. I don't know why you think it's going to be a positive opinion, but... Okay, because I think that Jeff Hardy is a lot better than you're giving him credit for, and I think this is... I think this will be... He's going to show you. Has he just had, like, a couple month bad showing? No, it's just, like, they've just been in these, like, weird, like, brawls and like table matches and stuff you know he hasn't hasn't really been in a wrestling match uh remember when it was like the hardy brothers debuted and i forget who they were up against but like it wasn't was it it was private party yeah remember that match i didn't think they looked good in that match (laughs) okay did you maybe he's maybe he's shaking the rust off okay (laughs) okay but has Look, he been wrestling Megan, in WWE? It seems it seems to me like this this bet is in your favor. So Okay. I okay. I'm just I'm, I'm telling I'm giving you all the information so you don't think I'm lying. Um I I thought that that match was slow moving and um kind of didn't make them look great. That's all I'm saying. Megan, so, if I were you, I would just lie next week so I got a bottle of champagne. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh it's an interesting um it's an interesting matchup for sure because then Jeff's going to be in the tournament and at what point do you cut him or do you think he goes all the way? No, he can't go all the way. Yeah. I, I will say, I did think that um, the BTE segment <laughs> where the Hardys were like, we got we lost everybody. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. That was very funny. And, you know, and they and like, as they said, they lost to uh, Jeff Jarrett, known heart. So he's, you know, he's 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 a he's a rare person in this field that actually wrestled Owen Hart. Yeah. OK. OK. He probably will be the only one unless well, Christian makes his way in. I hope that doesn't mean he's going to make it all the way through because that would be a lot of Jeff Hardy. The final bracket is him versus Christian. 
(laughs) (laughs) That would be wild. Um, And I know we don't cover BT anymore, but like, I really also loved the segment. I got to say, because now I'm thinking of it, when the Dark Order were talking about how all oh, those New Japan guys are coming over and they were like <laughs> talking about all the people they were going to beat. And then they're like talking shit. And um, oh, gosh, Minoru Suzuki just doesn't say a word. He just walks into frame and they all stand up real straight and shut their mouths and look at him. And they're like, sir. And well, because they, they had literally like they were talking about different factions and they literally had just started talking about how they would like kill everybody in Suzuki Goon. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. And he just he walks in and they're just like quiet. And I thought that was so hilarious. I loved it. I'm like, yes, use Minoru Suzuki on BTE for this type of thing. It's amazing. Yep. Ugh, OK, so that is that was Dynamite. And that was the week that was in uh, AEW. But uh, what about the week that was in our uh, pop culture lives as we talk about the Elite Beat plug? Plug of the week. <laughs> okay. I'll go first this time. Um, so last week I talked about uh, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion, which, uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. which, which, which was delightful. And uh, actually, I just started playing another game uh, called uh, Ori and the Blind Forest. Ooh. Um, that's looks very promising, but I'm pretty early on, so I don't want to. That might be a, that might be next week's uh, plug. But uh, so this week, I revisited the film The Quick and the Dead. Um, I'm back on my Sam Raimi bullshit as uh, I'm continuing to follow along with that blank check season. And, um, I, I love that movie. I just watched it, um, I believe last January, uh, with Megan and Jenny. It was their first time seeing it. And, uh, I just want to say like, you know, it wasn't a very popular movie. It didn't do well, but I think it's grown in esteem over the years. And, um, it's, it's really kind of impressive, when you consider how much clout Sharon Stone had at the time, because she was coming off an Oscar nomination, I think a nomination, I don't think she won, but she was an, got nominated for Casino, and then it's just like, okay, what's my next project going to be? Um, I want this weird Western script, and so Sony bought it for her, and she's like, I want the guy who directed Army of Darkness, because I think that movie's cool, so Sony hired him. She's like, I saw this Australian movie called Romper Stomper with this unknown uh, guy. So they brought Russell Crowe over to be in his first American movie. And then that was his first American movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Um, And and then like Leonardo DiCaprio is in it. And the, uh, the, the studio wanted Matt Damon and. They fought for Leo, and the studio was like, okay, fine, but you have to pay for him. So Sharon Stone and Sam Raimi split the cost out of their own salaries, apparently, to to hire Leonardo DiCaprio for the movie. I love Sharon Stone. Yeah. She's great. She is great. Um, but they, they just, I don't know. I just, uh, it's a great movie. And um, it's just good, like the whole it's just such a great concept like this, like this kind of like a uh, last man standing, you know, quick draw tournament, you know, it's, it's, it's like a video game. 
Yeah, that movie was a lot of fun when we watched it and yeah. would watch again. Yeah, I liked that movie. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, Megan, you want to go second this week? I will. Um, but before I go, can I just plug also, like, because Sharon Stone is great, um, she's on an episode of uh, the Netflix show Murderville, which is uh, a, I want to say Will Forte, but it's not Will Forte. It's Will. Um, it's, yes. A show that's like basically improv uh, where they're they're solving a murder. Uh, it's him and a celebrity guest. And they it's actually clever because all the clues are there. But Sharon Stone's episode is amazing because she is probably one of the biggest stars they get as a guest for that show. And she is just there to play like she has a great time with it. And it's so fun to watch. And I don't know. She's such a big star. I'm like, Sharon Stone, look at you having like a little comedic, comedic moment. Like, she's one of the best episodes. Her uh, her WTF was really good. Um, she's like insanely down to earth for what a big star she was. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's it. Like, she showed up to this weird little Netflix improv show and she was like there. to. She was on board with everything. She just went with it. And I was like, holy shit, you're yes ending better than the comedians. Good for you. So awesome. just a plug for Sharon Stone on that one. Um, my actual thing is uh, I'm going to plug uh, the movie that Andy and I watched, um, oh. the, the scary movie, because Jenny smartly is, avoids the scary movies, The Conjuring. It's an oldie but goodie. I'd never seen it. And um, it was very scary, but it's I not thought. It's old. <laughs> isn't it? Like, I don't actually know. 2000, 2013, I think. Time has no meaning to me. Okay. <laughs> um, I, it's a it's a sort of old. It's a recent. Whatever. I thought. Um, I'm scared of horror movies, and I was scared of this movie, but I thought it was super well done, and like I thoroughly enjoyed it, like way more than I thought I would. And uh, I don't know. It felt like a well made horror movie. Maybe I'm not giving horror movies enough credit, but it it felt like. It had a lot of oomph behind it, you know? No, I think you're right. I think I think we were talking about the kind of the, like the, a lot of the technique behind it and the shot composition and stuff while we were watching it and just how it's like, it's not just a, you know, like uh, it, it was clearly like done on a real budget and had real stars and had like real yeah. crass people working on it. You know, it wasn't just like a schlocky, you know, like, you know, make a quick buck, like, uh, you know, uh, thriller. Yeah, yeah, I thoroughly Which enjoyed the, it. And I love those too, but, you know, but there's a difference. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. like, it, it felt um, very well made and and even, like, pretty in its own way. And um, the, the, I don't know, bad guy, the, the bad ghost, I guess, was very scary. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, I like that we have decided to start going through watching horror movies that I think I can handle because I listen to a podcast cheat sheet, essentially, of them. And uh, this was the first one we tried and honestly, pleasantly surprised. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was super good. Well, that one was too scary, didn't watch for me. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I am still into my K-dramas. Of course you are. And it's uh, all-consuming. Um, last week, I plugged uh, Crash Landing Onto You, which is actually my favorite of the K-dramas that I've seen so far. But I got—I was supposed to plug the one I'm going to plug this week because I had finished it, but I was like midway through Crash Landing On You, and I was so engaged in it that I, that I plugged it early. 
So the one I watched last week before Crash Landing was called Romance is a Bonus Book, which I Googled what is a bonus book. It just comes back. Romance is a bonus <laughs> book. It's a 2019 movie, <laughs> drama movie. Um, it was a really cute little story about a woman who um, was divorced, who had just gotten divorced, and um, she had left her career to, like, raise the kids. So she was trying to, like, find a job after being out of the workforce for 11 years. And she couldn't find a job. I think it had been, like, a whole year. And... Um, so she like basically like sneak uh squats in her friend's apartment like she just lives upstairs in his like second floor but he doesn't know yeah it's just like a loft it doesn't even have a door but she just like squats there for a few weeks and he uh, doesn't know it's very strange and um that's like a lifetime movie Yes, and then um, she sees, like, he has a flyer that his company is, like, hiring, like, a, I don't know, like, like, they call it, like, task force. So, basically, just, like, kind of whatever anyone needs help with type thing, like, running errands, like, or, like, doing jobs at work and stuff like that. And it didn't require any experience. So, she basically removed all of her education and previous, like, qualifications on her resume to just apply for this like base level job and she got it because she kept getting turned down for like the jobs that she should have been qualified for because she had been out of the workforce so long so and then she starts at this company and it's got this like little bit of like emily in paris vibe where she's like super good at everything she does and like always you know like always has the best idea and because of so um well she is technically overqualified Yes. Well, she is. So it did make a little bit more sense than like the Emily in Paris stuff. But um, and then obviously the friend that she's like squatting with, he finally like sees her there one day. Figures out a second person lives in his home. (laughs) I think she drops her bowl of noodles in the kitchen while he's like in the bedroom sleeping and then she gets she like hides but then he still catches her because sure, sure. there's a broken glass and like noodles on the floor and stuff sure so sure, but like sure. to the point megan where she literally like grabbed a piece of where he had already buttered and jammed his toast and but he had like walked out of the room and as she was leaving she grabbed the piece of butter jammed toast and left and he like didn't realize she was he probably was like, did I eat that? I probably ate that. <laughs> but it, it was it was really good. It had a good, like, second storyline plot, too, that I liked. Um, and uh, so then I tried to watch um, a couple other ones this week. And I gave them the old, like, 20-minute try and didn't, <laughs> couldn't get into them. So I think my niche might be K-drama N-series. So, like, Netflix-produced ones. Because, like, you know a Netflix-produced show, you can always tell. It's got that high production quality. It's got all the 4K cameras and everything. I tried a couple other ones that just, like, had too low of a production value for me. This look like soap operas. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I can see how that would be jarring when you're used to, like, Netflix-level production quality. So, but I'm watching one now, so hope if it's good, I will prom- I will plug it on next week's. <laughs> So 
so that's uh, that's the Quick and the Dead, which um, you can rent it uh, because I, I it's not streaming anywhere like on any service right now, but I, I own it, so I was able to watch it. Um, uh, the Conjuring, which is on both HBO Max and Netflix right now, and Romance is a bonus book on Netflix. We have a weird, weird variety of interests. <laughs> I'll say. So do our listeners, though. Well, hopefully, yeah, enjoy. Right, because then you get the, like, other people who listen to the Elite being also, like... Oh, yeah, it's all kinds of weird stuff. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Get weird out there, people. All right, people. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, and, you know, we'll be back next week. Uh, for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. And you've been listening to the Elite Beat. E-Elite Beat. E-Elite Beat.